Okay, let's get started. I'm told that la- that next week is our last year of the semester. So next week is our last year of the semester. That's public service announcement. The idea of this year when uh, we started um, two years ago was I-, I called it from the rabbi's desk because I wanted it to be like for guys to see practical shilas that rabbis get all the time. Um, you know, to see like what actually crosses the rabbi's desk. And like it turned into like more of a, believe it or not, you know, freak shayla kind of, kind of a sheer. So everyone's saying, well, there's a week where I only get normal shaylas. So this week I only got normal shaylas. So I'm not, but, but I took the two shaylas that I got twice. That's what we're going to talk about. This. I figured it's a simon min If I got the shayla twice, um, so there are two, two particular shaylas I got twice that I thought uh, would be worth talking about. Um, one of the shaylas involved uh, a child who had gone through a very scary experience. I got the shayla twice. One, one involved a three-year-old who was running around the house. I still don't know exactly what happened, but somehow a heavy dresser came down on top of the child and he was pinned under the, uh, the dresser for a little bit till they were able to get it off of him. And miraculously, no broken bones, no, uh, you know, didn't, uh, didn't, didn't do any long-term damage, just a couple of bruises, and he was, and he was good to go. The other involved a, uh, a, a child who was playing outside on Shabbos. He was a young child, must be, I don't remember how many years ago he was born, probably uh, five, six years old, and he was, uh, he was playing outside on Shabbos, and he was kicking a ball or something, and the ball went over the fence to the neighbor's yard, his family was at someone's house for Shabbos, so it wasn't his neighbor, it was their neighbor, so he wasn't familiar with who was on the other side of the fence. So he went over around the fence to go uh, retrieve the ball, and the neighbor had a dog, and the dog attacked him and bit him 12 times, um, viciously attacked him, really went after him, uh, the, bit him all over the place and came very close to, uh, you know, bit him right near the groin area where obviously it could have been uh, could have been disastrous, and uh, thank God he, you know, he's got some scratches and bruises, and uh, obviously I don't think he's going to ask for a pet dog anytime soon. Um, I'm sure, uh, you know, psychologically it's uh, it can't be an, an easy thing to get over that kind of traumatic experience. Although thank God kids are very very resilient. Um, so in both of these cases, what's the child the parent wants to know? Right, do we bench Gomel? Can the kid bench Gomel? In these cases, the kids are too small. Can the father bench Gomel? For the uh, for the child, happens to be the second one. I once got a very interesting Shiloh when this child was born. It just came to my mind now. Sometimes, like you have a, you know, you have you have people that like went through difficult things, and uh, you daven so hard for them, and like every time you see them, like you're reminded, you know, Palalti, you know, that kind of uh, of a feeling. So this kid is like there's like a special place in all of our hearts, in our community, because I, when he. <laughs> when his mother was pregnant with him, she was diagnosed with with cancer. When she was pregnant with him, and it was like it was all of, in the medical community. It was a big deal about how to treat her and save the pregnancy. And, um, and you know, he's he's come out a uh, miracle baby. It was really uh, very very special. So we had a very interesting Shiloh when he was. It's crazy. <laughs> right, right after he was born. Um, so he didn't have a Mila Bismana. It took a little while. I'm going far afield over here, but I think this was also interesting. He didn't have a Mila Bismana, and um, when he was going to be ready, when he was out of the uh, NICU and he was, uh, he was given the okay, um, he, he, uh, he received his last uh, treatments for whatever, whatever uh, he, needed, he needed, 
um, it turned out that the eight days later, when the bris was supposed to be, his mother was still going to be in the hospital going through a chemo treatment, and she wasn't going to get out until one day after that. So she was going to miss the bris. So they wanted to know if they could delay the Mila Shalobizmana by one more day so that the mother, who is a cancer patient, should be able to attend this child's bris after going through this uh, ordeal with, uh, with this child. So that was the, uh, the Shaila. Rabbi Krohn was the Moel, and at first they just asked Rabbi Krohn, um, and Rabbi Krohn said, yeah, the bris could be a day later. And then he thought for a second, the father of the child thought for a second, he's a Balchuva, and sometimes like when he talks, he's like, it's hard to describe, he's like a very sweet, sincere, out-of-town guy, not a New Yorker. When you talk to him, sometimes like people get the impression that he knows less than he does, and that like, oh, not really so firm, he's like a very sincere, firm guy, but like, you wouldn't know it by talking to him. So he started thinking to himself that maybe Rabbi Krohn gave that as like a Balchuva psak, you know, not like as a as a real psak, you know, to make me feel better, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's why he said that. So he wanted to get the right, you know, he wanted to, he, he was embarrassed to ask Rabbi Krohn that, you know, did you give me that as a Balchuva psak or as a real psak? So he called me to find out what the, what the halacha is. So I felt like this was too big a deal for me to pass in. So uh, at the time, I don't know where Rav Shechter was and Rav Willig was. They weren't around, I don't think. I couldn't get a hold of them. I think that maybe they were in Israel. I don't know what, what it was. I called Rav David Feinstein. I got a connection. Someone told me, you got to call his driver at this time. in So I, I called his, uh, his driver. He said, I'll, 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 be, I'll be with Rashiva in the car in uh, 40 minutes. You call exactly then and, we'll, uh, and then lose this number and never call again. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it was, so I so I called Rav David Feinstein, and uh, and in the interim, while I was waiting for Rav David Feinstein you know, to call him back, I called my, my brother. I, I called my brother to get in touch with Rav Nata Greenblatt. So uh, Rav Nata Greenblatt got back to me before I called Rav David Feinstein. Now I had told the driver the whole Shiloh already. So Rav Nata Greenblatt got back to me. Rav Nata Greenblatt said, just like Pikuach Nefesh is Docha Kula. You think for a cancer patient only uh, the physical things are pikuach nefesh, emotional things are also pikuach nefesh. Absolutely delay the bris by a day, and uh, no question. And then I called Rav David back, because everyone's going to not call back. And he said, tell the woman in the zechus of doing the mila bismana, she should have her refu- you know, in the right time, she should have her refu- shalema, but uh, you have to do the mila in the right time. So, hey, what do I do now? I got Rav Nata saying one thing, and Rav David saying, uh, saying something else. Um, so what did we do? So I, I thought to myself, well, he first asked the Shiloh to Rabbi Krohn. If Rabbi Krohn had, was actually giving a psak and wasn't just, you know, dealing with someone who he thought wasn't really from, although they were really from, um, if he was really giving a psak, then they're not really authorized to ask the Shiloh again. They got their psak already. So, uh, so I called Rabbi Krohn. And I, I asked him, you know, I'm just curious. I said, I told him, I, I got two different psakim from Natan and Rav David. I'm sure whatever you gave was, was good. I'm just curious, like, what the svara was for the psak. And, uh, Rav, and, and, and Rabbi Kron said that he was following a psak from Rav Zelig Epstein, and it was totally different, nothing to do with illness, nothing. So Rav Zelig held that if they gave the last, the last treatment that day to the child so it's not because the kid's already better 
meaning the last medication that they're giving is supposed to stay in the system for the next 24 hours. So the clock starts a day later. The clock on, 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 on waiting doesn't start right then, it starts a day later. So Rabbi Kron says, I do that l'chadchila. I mean, it's nothing to do with, with, with the illness. That's just, just what I do. That's Rav Zelig's, that's Rav Zelig's psak. So it was an actual psak. That was, uh, that was real. So I said, okay, listen to, to Rav Zelig. And it happens to be Rav Natu Greenblatt held that way as well. But anyway, that's this, this, this child. So whatever. So it just uh, strikes a chord. But uh, so the shayla is birch sagomel. That was one shayla that I got twice this week. The other shayla I got twice this week was I was first time I got it was Friday night. I was uh, having a meal. My family was eating by my cousin's house who lives in North Woodmere, and uh, we had a guest a guest uh, speaker over the Shabbos, Rav Judah Michel. Anyone know Rav Judah Michel? Can't ask. Yeah, very special Jew. So uh, Rav Judah was eating by my cousin, because he's very close with my cousins, Avi and Melissa Sachs, because they're a big uh, Hask family. Anyone know them? No? Any Hask people? No? Okay, anyway, they're a big Hask family. And, uh, and I was talking to Rav Judah, and he's so gishmak, and I'm like really enjoying talking to him. And one of my kids is just like starts tapping on my shoulder. And you know how annoying that, you know, like I, if I was a good person, I would say, wait, my child is more important. Sorry, Rav Judah, you know. But I'm like, get off. You know, <laughs> I'm a little talking. Don't you see that? <laughs> So and and then like he walked away and then again he started tapping on my shoulder. He's like, I'm sorry, Abba, it's almost shkia. I need to ask the question. Like, oh shkia? I didn't even know he knew the word shkia. I said, well, well, what's the question? He said, last night I forgot to count svir. We made early Shabbos. We made Shabbos a plug. It's, it was we were in the middle of our suda. It was almost shkia. And he said, last night I forgot to count svir. Can I still count now for yesterday, even though we made Shabbos, and then continue to count with the bracha? We made early Shabbos at, uh, at Plag, at Plag Mincha, and we were in the middle of our Shabbos Suda, but it wasn't yet Shkia. And he said, can I count now? And then continue to count with, with the Bracha, even though it's already Shabbos for us. So uh, that was the Shabbos. And then we had, uh, Rav Judah ran, uh, I guess what you would call it, Onik Shabbos, a Tish. I, he called it a Yom Ha'atzmut for Brengen. <laughs> so we, 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 we uh, were at this, uh, this thing, and uh, one, of the, one of the guys in the shul came over to me and told me he had the same exact thing, that he had the same exact Shaila. So it's not a new Shaila, but it's an interesting one. Can you continue to count Svira? So I figured those are the two Shailas I got twice this week. One with the, uh, with the Birchsa Gomel for a child, and the other with the counting Svira. We'll probably get to both. Uh, yeah, we'll probably get to both. Which one? Any preference? Which one first? Gomel. What? Gomel? Okay, so let's talk about Gomel a little bit. What are the halachic factors in terms of uh, Gomel? What do we need to talk about? So first of all, we have to talk about what the Chiyuv is of Gomel in general. Who's Chayim benching Gomel? Who's not Chayim and Gomel? Then we have to talk about Chinuch a little bit. Chinuch and mitzvos, and uh, when if there is a situation of suffix, suffix brachzalka. Those are like the basic factors that uh, that go into it. Also, it's important to realize that when someone asks a question like this, there's a, a, a bit of a bias by the questioner. I mean, the person asking the question, what do they want? What what answer are they looking for? Yes. They want to bench kolma. They're not. They don't want to be told no. Why don't they want to be told no? They, they feel like it was a big deal. And they feel like if you tell them not to binge Gomel, you're like telling them, eh, it wasn't, wasn't such a big deal. Like, uh, I remember once, um, I think it was way back when I was in Rav Shechter Shir, I think they were driving to Toronto, maybe it was uh, after I was in the Shir, they were driving to Toronto, I think maybe for Yami's wedding or something, or for, uh, I don't know what it was, um, for Shavu or something, and the Rebetzin was driving, and the Rebetzin fell asleep behind the wheel. 
and she, uh, the rumble strip on the side of the road woke her up and she straightened the car and nothing happened, thank God. And she asked Roshach to know Gomel. And he said, no, he didn't. We, there was, we were never in danger. You know, we, uh, if we would have gotten into a crash and then survived that, that's Gomel. But uh, almost getting into a crash is, is not Gomel. So she said, oh, I get it. You want me to die first and then I should bench Gomel. You know, because she was very unsatisfied with that. And I think that expresses the way a lot of, pe- the way a lot of people feel. That, uh, that, you know, I feel like it was a traumatic experience. I want to be able to bench Gomel. You tell me I can't bench Gomel. It's Ki'ili you're saying it's not a traumatic experience. Now, for, you know, the most common, t- w- the most common uh, situation where you get this, Shaila, is where it was an almost. It was a close call, like, like this situation where it was the rumble strip that woke her up, where I got a Shaila a number of years ago. There was uh, a Hanukkah wonderland the Chabad made in a storefront in the Five Towns on Central Avenue, and a car went out of control and went right through the front window of the storefront where there were all these kids you know, having this, uh, this Hanukkah party. And a lot of people ask me, I was there on that spot five minutes earlier. Ten minutes earlier. So that's the old line they say that, you know, I should bench Gomel every day because uh, these pants that, I, that I'm in right now were in the washing machine just a few hours ago. And if I would have been in them when they were in the washing machine, then, you know, so a close call, we generally don't, uh, don't bench Gomel. But this isn't a close call. These guys, a kid was bit, bitten by a dog. This is, this is, these were serious matters. He was crushed by a piece of furniture. This isn't, uh, this isn't nothing. But uh, it's important to realize that there is a certain psychological element that the person who's asking the question really wants a certain answer. It's not the reason. It's not a reason to say brach but it's a reason that you really need to explain the answer if you're going to get such a question. You can't just say ah, you don't do it because that that really makes them feel like you have no idea what we just went through. If you're just telling me that you can't that you can't do it, it doesn't affect the psak. It doesn't affect. It affects how you, how you give the psak. I wouldn't say it affects the psak, it affects how you give the psak. Sometimes you just give an answer. You know, on a normal brachs question, someone asks, do I say a brach or do I not? No. Okay, good, fine. But when, when the person is so emotionally invested in the shayla, you can't just say no. You have to explain why it is, maybe even show them in a safer where it says it. You know, sometimes people just want an answer. Sometimes people need to talk it through a little bit. Sometimes they need to know a little bit, a little bit more. Now, there are postcards that say that a child could say Birch Sagomel. Birke Yosef, the Chidon, Birke Yosef quotes from Mahari Azulai and the uh, Rabbi Yaakov Emden and Mark Tzion, some Rashi Tess, and Rukivegri quotes from Lachme Toda that the Taka kid says it. Um, why not? I Meaning, you would think you're mechanich a child for everything. So why don't you be? Why wouldn't you be mechanich a child for birchas gomel? It doesn't say in Shulchan Aruch not to say that a child doesn't say. It doesn't discuss in Shulchan Aruch whether a child says it or not. It doesn't say one way or the other in Shulchan Aruch. And really, Rishonim don't really discuss it. Um, it's not for some reason. It's not really a discussion in the Rishonim, but it's a major discussion in uh, the Achronim. And it really starts with uh, Maram Mintz that the Magen Avram quotes. In uh, the beginning of Simon Rashi you know, sometimes before a Simon in Shulchan Aruch begins, um, before even the, Sif, the Sifkatan in the Nosekelim, they have like a little hakdama to the Simon. So in Rashi test, which is about, about Birch Sagomel, I brought Srikh Mahodos, you know, based on uh, uh, the, the, the Mishnah and the, uh, the Gemara in, uh, in the Sachas Brachos. So, uh, you know, the. the um, Brachstaf Nundalid, right? That's that's where the sugya is. So the Magen Avram has a little bit of a hakdama to that uh, to that simon. The Magen Avram writes, "Katan ein sarich lahodos." Why? Why not? You mechanechim for everything else. To lo shayich lomer lechayovim tovos. The nusach habracha doesn't fit. When you're making the bracha, you're saying that Rosh Baruch Hu is gomel lechayovim tovos. 
He did good to Chayavim. What does Chayavim mean? Says the Beis Yosef, Chayavim means Rishayim. People who deserve to be punished. People who deserve something terrible to happen. How could you say that about a child? A child is not a Baronshim. He's not Chayav for anything. So you can't call him Chayavim. Talav Baronshinu. Vim Yomar al-Aviv l'chayavim. Oh, maybe the child means l'chayavim is that my father deserves to suffer and that's why I almost got killed because my father deserves to suffer. Maybe that's what he means when he says chayavim. He says, you can't say that about your father. So you can't, uh, you can't say l'chayavim because it's disrespectful to the father if you mean him. If you mean yourself, it's not true. If the child means himself, it's not true. He's a kid. And if he means the father, that's disrespectful. You can't say that. So therefore, there's no Bechsagoma for a child. That's what the Magen Avram, that's what the Magen Avram writes. Now, um, the Taz in Reish Yitaz, Sivkat and Gimel, says that, uh, let's say you have an adult, an adult uh, who wants to say Bechsagomel for his father's recovery or his Rebbe's recovery. He said, you just leave out the word Chayav, because that's disrespectful. So the person will say, well, if the Taz is willing to leave out the word L'chayavim for that case, why can't the child just leave out the word L'chayavim? So that's an interesting uh, discussion. Some of the poskim say that, yeah, you just leave out the word L'chayavim. But uh, others bring a raya from that Taz. They say, I think in Yalkut Yosef, he points out that from that Taz, you really see, you really see the opposite. Because he says, the, the, uh, the Taz is only saying that the son can say for his father or his rabbi without the word L'chayavim, but when the person saying, saying it can't even be chayiv, then there's no gomel. The only situation where you can where you can skip it is where at least the person could have been chayiv. It's just not respectful to say it. But where, where the person who it happened to couldn't be chayiv, then there's no gomel. So uh, the, how would you justify it? We mentioned before, Biakavan says, no problem, let the kid say it. How does he read the word l'chayavim then? If a kid can't be... By the way... Sometimes you give an explanation to people who are asking for a psak and they're not happy with it. This one, it resonates with people. Meaning you tell someone whose child just went through something traumatic that the reason you can't say gomel is because how could you say about a young child, a pure innocent young child, l'chayavim, that he's chayavim, that he's a Russia, that he deserved what just happened to him. So the, that reasoning resonates because that's the exact opposite of telling them that, uh, oh, it wasn't traumatic enough to deserve a gomel. I mean, people aren't satisfied when I was there by the Hanukkah Wonderland one minute, er- one minute earlier and you say, yeah, and, you know, and I, I'm not making a gomel for wearing my pants today. That doesn't resonate with people. Because, what do you mean? You know how traumatic that is for me? But this, this resonates because you're saying that the child is, is an innocent, pure child, didn't deserve any of this, and how can you say that he deserved anything like this? So, uh, so that, that's something that people, people connect to. Uh, again, it's neither here nor there. I'm just telling you that, that, that my experience is that, that, people, that, that resonates better with people. So how else would you translate L'chayavim? So Rav Yaakov Endin writes that L'chayavim means in Alma. It means people in general. That Hashem does tovos L'chayavim. Not for me that I'm necessarily L'chayavim, but L'chayavim uh, at all, in, in general, in, in Hartzvi, Rav Tzvi Pesach Frank writes in Orchayim Chayel in Kufir Gimel, that uh, whether a Yoledes would bench Gomel, and also whether a close call, an almost, would bench Gomel, probably depends on how you teach L'chayavim. If L'chayavim means to people in general, so then yeah, then uh, Yoledes can, and, uh, and, and because the Yoledes is not Chayav, she's doing a mitzvah, she's not Chayavim at all. There's no, uh, there no, nothing to, to be... Uh, 
you know, nothing to be guilty about. She's not a Russia. She's doing a mitzvah, having a child. So um, if it's about people in general, then she can't. But if it's not about people in general, it's about herself, then how could she say, L'chayavim? Rav Shlomo Zalman just points out that that's not true. He doesn't think that that's true at all. Rav Shlomo Zalman in Mincha Shlomo, in Madura Tinyana, Simen Samach Os Yud, he has Tshuvas Ketzara. Simen Samach is a bunch of short Tshuvas about little things. So he writes over there, he says, I, I don't understand what Sifas Frank is talking about. L'chayavim means a person who's broadly, generally speaking, could be chayiv for something. It doesn't mean that this act that they were doing was an Avera. What, if I'm, uh, if I'm crossing the street and a car, uh, God forbid, a car hits a person and they almost die and thank God that and Hashem saves them. That, that means that crossing the street was an Avera? No, it means that in their lives they have Averos for which they might have been Chayiv and a Shas Asakana, might have been a Shas Kitrug up in Shemayim and they were saved from that. That's all it means. So I don't even know what Sivya Sakhrank is talking about. That because the is doing a mitzvah, she can't be l'chayavim on a personal level? Of course she can be chayavim. Maybe she uh, speaks too much Lashonara. Maybe she, I don't know, isn't makbid about kashras. Whatever. There are lots of other she could have been doing. There's nothing to do with having a child. So Shalma Zalman is not so pleased about it. So is there any way around it? Is there any way that, like, maybe, yeah? Right? That if it's Shriachazeka and childbirth is uh, I would imagine assumed to be Shriachazeka, that that's a uh, used to be an extremely dangerous, dangerous thing to do. Um, so is there any way around it? So one, one suggestion is just skip the word. What's the problem with skipping the word the Chayavim? Just saying the Brach without the word the Chayavim? So Nusakabracha, Mishan Mabeashabrachas. So the, the Abni Nezer has a tshuva in Archaim Simlam Tess where he says that even though the Shulchan Aruch says that you could skip the word L'chayavim when you're saying it for somebody else, like for a Rebbe or for a father, um, at least the word is relevant to that person. But since it's never relevant to a child, there's no chinuch at all for Gomel because the, the, the whole word isn't relevant, so skipping the, bracha, skipping the word doesn't, doesn't make sense. The, the author of Chavez Yoyer, Makar Chaim, writes that... Uh, um, that, that l'chayavim, the, the word of the chayavim is not ma'akev. He thinks it's uh, not a problem. That the word of the chayavim can be skipped and it's not a problem at all. In fact, in Chazon Ovadia, in Hilchas Brachos, in Hilchas Brachos Ha'ari Yeralef, in the footnote Yeralef, he, he points out that uh, he doesn't think that this is Mishanim Abbeish Tavacham Brachos. He says, Mishanim Abbeish Tavacham Brachos, when you significantly alter the tzura of the bracha, but it's not that the, the words are counted out, that there needs to be this many words in a bracha or that many words. You know, like the Gemara says, that if you have a bracha, a uh, rucha, you're not allowed to be makatzer, a bracha ktsari, you're not allowed to be marich. So he said, that means when you're adding a whole extra, you know, sentence, a baruch Hashem at the end or something like that, he thought uh, changing one word where the whole surah of the bracha basically remains intact is not a violation of being mashad madesh, tavacham vibrachos. In Shari Tshuva, in Sifkat Nalif, in the name of the Shari Ephraim, in the Maksik Brach, he says, no, there's another Asa, just have the father say it uh, for the kid. The, the, um, again, a lot of the Achronim are not so happy with that. The Eshel of Rami B'Chach says, say without Shem Malchus. You know, like the Gemara says about Minyamin Raya, that he would, uh, how would he say benching? Brich Rachmana da Pita. So say, Brich Rachmana Malka da Alma, Malka di Alma, Gomel Chayav and Tosh Mgal, and he called up. Say something like that. Yeah. Pashtus, yes. Shulchanach says yes. It's, uh, there, there are those who try to be makbid not to be motzi someone in a birchaz Um 
if if assuming that uh, that everyone's chayiv yeah. in saying the bracha, yeah. yeah. Um, it, th- there's there's an Abu Dram that says like hoda'a uh, has to be like uh, very personal and has to be direct. That's why he explains modim drabanan that uh, the modim drabanan why the only part of chazaras shatz everything else we're listening we're listening we're listening and we don't have to say it ourselves. All of a sudden comes modim and we say it ourselves. You know while the the, the shliach tzibur is saying we're saying our own version of modim. So the Abu Dram I think writes that by Hoda in particular, it means so much more if it's personal. You know, if you tell a person, you go out of your way to thank a person, it means a lot more than, oh, tell a guy I said thanks. It's not the same. So, um, but, but, La Halacha, I think Shulchan says that you absolutely can be. See, I think in, in, in Reishu Tess, I think if I'm not mistaken, Shulchan says over there that you can be Motsi Nagomel. In Yeshiva, I think we must have gotten a Pesach in DRS, we must have gotten a Pesach not to do that. Because uh, after... After like winter vacation or after Sukkot, they have like a line of people. Like it's, it must be from a village from the rub or something. But they have like uh, it's like everyone always turns to each other. like, welcome to the five towns, you know, like <laughs> one after the other after the other. It's, it's so much for the tuition crisis. Yeah. Is it really um, bar, uh, like bar Yeah, so what are you really accomplishing? Yeah, you In fact, Yalkut Yosef, Yalkut Yosef has a suggestion, maybe be Maharher, the bracha. So he, he, he has a whole discussion about the shitas HaPerach Shushan. I don't know who that is. But the Perach Shushan apparently holds that even being Maharher of bracha is a violation of Osisa. That it's a violation of saying bracha, but I even if you just Maharher the bracha. So Ravadia thought that was ridiculous. Yalkut Yosef said, he said, Adonai Yavi Mori, you know, said that that's, uh, that's not true. We don't have to be choshish for that. Rav Shlomo Zalman in Halicha Shlomo has a different suggestion. He says, have kavana during Gomel Chassidim Tovim, the Amal Yisrael. But Ayberch's Gomel has to be said in front of a minion. Right? So he said, okay, so daven for the other, you know, daven for Adam uh, that, that morning. And you'll say, Gomel Chazim Tov Le'amo Yisrael, and it'll be a minion of people, and they'll all answer a minion, that's fine, you'll be, uh, that, that, that way you'll be able, and he says, it's Kedai also to focus during those parts of Tefillah in general um, uh, that, that, that relate to Hoda'a. Focus a little more on what you have to be, what you have to be thankful about. Now, Ravadi has a discussion, Chazon Ravadi, he says, but wait a second. If the whole problem is that you can't say the chayavim because the kid's not yet chayiv, at what age does someone actually become chayiv? So 20, right? Bezin Shalmaila only punishes at 20. And this, assuming, you know, presumably the issue was a Bezin Shalmaila punishment. It wasn't Bezin Shalmata, right? It was that he was being put in a precarious position and the kid shook up in Shemayim and the Bezin Shalmaila was tumbling about what to do with him. So it should have been at the age of 20. Um, the, the, uh, based on the Gemara in Shabbos, Tav Peites. You know, it's a... It's a I think it's a fairly well-known Gemara. The Gemara tells a story. I think I copied it here somewhere. Or not. The Gemara tells a story. I thought I had it. The Gemara tells a story about, uh, you know, Banecha uh, Chatu. So Kodesh Baruch Hu goes to each of the Avos and says, your children sinned. And each of the Avos has to, uh, has to defend them. And what is Yitzchak? So each one has something else and doesn't work. And then finally Yitzchak Avinu, the last one probably that we would have associated with the one that's, uh, that's able to, you know, really connect to the trials and tribulations of, of Klal Yisrael. Yitzchak says, oh, kind of chet. He says, take, take your average person. What does he live? 70 years? You may shalad them in 70 years? First 20 years, knock off, because he's, he's, not, he's not getting an onus for the first 20 years anyway. And the other 50, you know, half the time he's sleeping. 
So it's assuming a lot of sleep, I guess. <laughs> half the time prison sleep. Half the time you sleep. So what do you got? 25 years left? I'll take half, you take half. And if you want me to take it all, remember I put myself on the Mizbeach once? Okay, so uh, then that's Yitzchak Avinu defended, but he just mentions, you know, just happens to mention, first 20 years, you lop it right off at the beginning. Because for, for 20 years, there's no onus. You shall me like that also. So the question is, Ravadi raises the question, so should you say that for till 20 he doesn't say Gomel, according to, according to this Mary Mintz? So Ravadi quotes like three or four different approaches to answering this question. He quotes the Stechemen and Avelis and some Rashid Bays that not getting punished until 20 wasn't a fact that Yitzchak was saying. It was a bakasha. That the Dora Midbar didn't get punished until the age of twenty, so he was saying a tchina takarosh that the same should be true for Klal Yisrael through the generations. But it wasn't necessarily a statement of fact. Also, the uh, the Chuvus Maram Shik or Chaim Sim Peizayin, based on a Gorarya and a Maral and Parshas Chayesara, says that what it means is that things that Beis Shalmata won't punish on because they're too kal. That's what Beis Shalmata won't punish on until you're twenty. But generally speaking, most of Eros Beis and Shalmala will punish even before a person becomes 20. And he also points out that from the Chuvus Teferis Tzvi, quoted by the Marshab Das Torah, he says that, you know, a child can be a Russia, uh, before the age of 20, a person can be a Russia, Haraya, um, Eidos, right? You're Kashal Eidos as soon as you're 13 years old, if you're a Kashal person. A person could possible himself as a Russia, right? It could be a Russia that's possible Eidos, and Chayav means. Rashaim. That's what the Beis Yosef says. So for sure, after the age of 13. So what do we say? Allah Lamaisa? How do we uh, deal with this? Shevet Alevi writes that the Minig is not to say it at all. Shevet Alevi in Chel Gimel, Sim Kuf Samach Gimel, Beis. And the Mishra really writes as well. Minig is not to say it at all, even though not everybody agrees with the Magen Avram, but that's the overwhelming Minig. And uh, many point out that most of the Sephardic posts can write that way as well. Kavachayim in Reish Yitesh of Kratin Beis says, Savik Brachas Lahakel. So unless you have a known Minig to do otherwise, we assume seven brachas ha'akel. Ben Ishchai, however, in Parshas Ekev, I'm heavy on the Sephardi postkim today, the Ben Ishchai, because I looked in Chazon Avad, so I have all the Sephardi postkim. Ben Ishchai in Parshas Ekev says that we say it because of Chinuch, like any other mitzvah. Now, I was thinking that that might depend on how you define Chinuch. You know, Rav Moshe has a tshuva about, uh, about co-education for children, and he has a fascinating, uh, a fascinating take his, his discussion is, you know, obviously once a kid is at the age where he has the Yetzir Hara, he says, you know, uh, you're going to put a kid in a co-ed environment, it's a terrible idea. But what about before the kid has the Yetzir Hara? You're going to send him to a first grader, a co-ed class. You know, in the, um, it was it was Mekubal for, for years, based on Pesachim of Gedola Yisrael, that uh, until the fourth grade or so, they kept the boys and girls in the same class. I think in the Bitzalel Day School in Lakewood, New Jersey, which I assume doesn't exist anymore, it was a modern Orthodox day school in uh, Lakewood, New Jersey. That's where Malkiel Cutler went as a little boy. So he was in uh, colored classes till he was in fourth or fifth grade or whatever. That's what that, that that's that's the way they they uh, they did it. Um, I shouldn't say that, it was scandalous. But um, so what Moshe discusses is that is that a problem? Is that an, is that an issue? I mean, the kid doesn't have Yetzirah. So of Moshe, based on a Magin Avram in Hilchos Lulav, it's unbelievable. Rav Moshe's Hekif was just like, it's, it's mind-boggling. You know, it's, it's, sometimes it's hard to read his chuvas because his, his, his wording is not, his prose is not like the most beautiful Hebrew. Like there's a lot of um, 
yeah, check here if this, then that, and maybe he won't. But that, like, there's a like he has a long way of getting to like, you know, just saying it. But but his 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 hekif was mamish unbelievable. Rav Shechter used to tell us that I, I'm sure I've mentioned this to uh, many of you. Rav Shechter used to say when he was studying for smicha, he would he would study by by opening up an igros Moshe, looking at the shaila, closing the igros Moshe, writing his own tshuva, and then comparing his tshuva to Rav Moshe's tshuva. You know, like all of us studied for smicha, right? <laughs> writing, our, writing our own Igris Moshe. So he, and he said invariably he would look at the Igris Moshe and look at his tshuva and see, Mamish, point for point, everything's good, everything's good. And then Ramesha pulls in something from left field. And Rav Shach said, I often knew it. I knew that Maramakov. I just never in a million years would have applied it to this situation. So over here, Ramesha pulls in a Magad Avram and Hilchus Lulav. Bottom line is, Ramesha points out that there's that that there's a uh, a chakira, you know, which is really machlokas aposkim, machlokas magenram mishabru, really. Whether the mitzvah of chinuch is that this behavior is if if this behavior is something that you're going to need to do as an adult, then we we train you in this behavior, and if this behavior is something that's going to be usher to do as an adult, then we train you in this in this behavior, even though the inyan behind it. What's, uh, what's, what's driving it is not even shaykh for the child. He doesn't even, he doesn't shtel to do it at all. Or do you say, that, no, if an adult had the emotional uh, capacity of this child or the, the feelings of this child, then it wouldn't be an iser for him. So mela for the child is not an iser either. Meaning you look at the, the uh, you look, you, you look at, 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 I'll give you the co-educational example. An adult without a yetzer for women so there's no problem with him being in a co-ed class. He has no yetzer. He's not going to have any hurim. He's not going to have any, you know, so it's fine. Let him sit in a co-ed classroom. Right? So this child has no hurim for women. He's a first grader. So fine, no problem. Or do you say no? Since when the child grows up, his stomach will have a yetzer for women. So this is a behavior that you want to already discourage, that, that you, you want to train him out of this behavior at this point. So I was thinking... Maybe it's a similar issue over here by the, by the Gomel. If, if an adult were to get attacked by a dog and bitten 12 times, so the adult would say Gomel. But if you have an adult, right, so maybe the child should say it too, that's the Chinuch. Or do you say no? If you had an adult who was not Chayavim, for whatever reason, who could not be Chayavim, who was too much of a Tzaddik and a Kadosh and a Tar, who's a Malach, and he couldn't be Chayavim, so he wouldn't say Gomel because he can't say Chayavim, so then the child wouldn't say Chayavim either. It's just that there's no such thing as an adult like that. But but Liyutzir, if there was such a thing, then he wouldn't say it's not about being a, an adult, it's about being Chayavim or not Chayavim. So I thought it might be totally in the same the same issue. In uh, in Piske Chuvas, in our. Uh, 38 in the footnote 38 in uh, in, in Simrashi Tess, he, he says that there's a letter from the Pnei Menachem, the Gera Rebbe, that when he was a kid, his father, I don't know the Gera dynasty so well, who was the Pnei Menachem's father? I don't know. No Gera Hasidim here. Okay, so the, uh, the Pnei Menachem said that when he was a kid, all the Gera Rebbe's, one thing about all the Gera Rebbe's, they were all massive Tamidei Chacham. It was uh, not, not always, or all Hasidish Rebbe's, you know, you're sometimes very big tzaddikim, not always the greatest tzaddikim, the chachamim, Ger Rebbe's were all, uh, you know, from Sassanus on down, they were all really, really uh, incredible, incredible tzaddikim, chachamim. So Pnei Menachem says that his father told him as a young child that he should, uh, that he should say Gomel. So apparently there were outliers, there were some people that did say it, and Chazan Avadi quotes a similar report from Maris Segel, the Moritz Sedek Meir Mipinali, or something like that, I don't know, Meir Saina, I don't know, how go. 
something, whatever. So he said that also, that his father, who was also some gonolam, said to say it as a, as a katan. But I think the overwhelming majority of Hoskins say that we don't say gomel for a child, nor does a child say gomel. Good, so that was uh, Shiloh number one. Shiloh number two, we have... Okay, we have a few minutes. Shiloh number two, I'll say like this. I think this is one of Rabbi Sachs' favorite topics. If you look in the Sefer Chemdas Yamim, Simin Yud Tes, he discusses Tosef Shabbos, and he talks about the famous Machlokas Tazin Marshal. Machlokas Tazin Marshal is, yeah, someone, you've heard him say this, yeah? When you, I think there's a Mishnah Yaivitz that, that has this whole uh, Torah also. When, when you're Makabal Shabbos early, what are you doing? Are you actually making Shabbos start early? Or are you just being, no, you're but it's still really Friday. It's just that somehow you remember a little extra Kedusha or whatever, and you, uh, you express that through Nisimalacha. Or So Sachs points out it's really machloks between two Tosin. Tosin Psachim of Saditas says that it actually works to make the day Shabbos, whereas Tosin Ksubis Memzayin, that it's only a din in Malacha, but it doesn't actually make the day Shabbos. Now, many nafkaminas. Sachs has like six or seven nafkaminas. For example, nafkamina number one. Let's say uh, a woman has to do a hefsek tara in order to start counting a shivanakim. For those who are not married, a woman has to do a bedika, make sure she's not bleeding anymore before she can start counting her seven clean days. The thing is, she's got to get it in before nightfall in order for the next day to count as the first of her seven clean days. What if she forgot to do a hefsek tara? There were makabal Shabbos. But it's still broad daylight outside. Can she still do Hafsik Tara? Well, if you already made it Shabbos by being the Kabbalah Shabbos early, well, it's too late. It's the next day already. But if you didn't make it the next day, you're just you're doing it as a Malacha. But it's not actually the next day yet. So then she's good. Then she could, she could, do, she could do the Hafsik Tara. Or Shmini Atzeras. So the Allah is on Shmini Atzeras. A lot of people don't know this. The Allah is on Shmini Atzeras. She's supposed to sit in the Sukkah in Chutzlaretz. That's what the Gemara says, the Shulchanach says. A person is supposed to sit in the sukkah, chasidim have a minig not to, for whatever reason, a lot of literature uh, going like this to try to explain that minig. But uh, the simple halach is you have to sit in the sukkah on Shemini Yatzeres. Can you start your meal early on Shemini Yatzeres? Now on Shemini Yatzeres, you don't say a bracha of leishev v'sukkah. And certainly if you're a chasid, where you're not going to sit in the sukkah at all on Shemini Yatzeres. Can you start your Shemini Yatzeres night meal early? You're going to daven early, you know, have a plod, mincha, mariv, or whatever, and then go home and start, it's broad daylight outside, can you start your meal? Well, if by davening early, you're actually makabal shmini atzeres early, and shmini atzeres actually starts early, so shmini atzeres. So if you're a chassid, you're not in the sukkah, and if you're not a chassid, you don't say a bracha. But, if you hold that, no, all you're doing is an isra malacha, but the day hasn't actually started yet, well then, you can't, if you're a chassid, can't eat in the house, it's still really Hoshana Rabbah. And if you're not a chassid, you can't sit in the sukkah without a bracha, it's still really Hoshana Rabbah. Another nafkamina, and this is, this is a huge one, Shabbos meals, for those of us who make Shabbos early. So if you do a tarti disasri Shabbos, you know, you do daven the 7 o'clock uh, minion on uh, Shabbos, so you have that halachic problem, but you probably avoid this one. Of, uh, that is that, can you be yotzei a su'udas Shabbos if your entire suda is during the Zman Tosefes. Right? If, uh, for, for me, we do a plag Shabbos. So very often we could finish our entire suda before, before Shkia even. 
or within a few minutes after Shkia. So it couldn't be Yosei that way. So this is a major machlokas. Marshal says, no, you can only eat at night. The Suda can only be fulfilled at night because you were not Mechabal Shabbos. I mean, you were Mechabal Shabbos, but it's not Shabbos. It's just this Melacha. You need to eat your meals on Shabbos. Whereas the Taz says, no, if you're Mechabal Shabbos, that's Shabbos. It's fine. It's already Shabbos. It's perfectly fine. Mishavur recommends to try to be Machmir, to have at least a Gazayas after, uh, after Shabbos. One time I had Rav Shechter at my house for a Shabbos, and uh, we, had, we, we were making, it was in June, so we were making an early Shabbos, and we had scheduled him to speak at like, at like 8.30 in the shul, which is like, was like a few minutes after Shkia or something. And I picked him up from the train, and as I was driving him to my house, I was studying the schedule, and he started telling me the story, how he was in Germany for a Shabbos and at a yeshiva, and in the yeshiva they were saying that uh, they, they, they had a meal early, and they finished the meal, and they benched before it was dark outside, and he couldn't believe that the Russian yeshiva never told them that they're supposed to be makbid, to have a kezayis afterwards. I'm listening to the story, I'm like, oh, why is he telling me the story? It's such a nice story, but I don't know why, you know, the whole story is to tell me in the car. Then I realized we had scheduled him to speak in a way where he couldn't possibly finish his Shabbos meal after, uh, after Tzitzah Kochavim. So, uh, so I chapped, so we changed the schedule, because I, I realized I made a mistake. But the Mishabur recommends to be Machmir Lechadchila, but that's the same Machlux. Shvuas. Can you make Shvuas early? Taz says, no, you can't start Shvuas early. Why? Because the days of Svira need to be Tamimos. You start Shvuas early, your last day of Svira is cut short because it actually starts Shvuas. Whereas the Marshal would say, no problem, you're not actually starting Shvuas, you're just not doing Malacha. But it's not actually starting Shvuas, you're not really cutting, cutting the days. The day is shorter. Um, that's what the Rush writes in the 10th paragraph of Sachem and Simon Beis and the Kavna Son of the Eros explains this way. And that's the Chor of this. You, you didn't count Sphira yet and you're Mechabal Shabbos. You, you didn't count Sphira from the previous night yet, from Friday Sphira, Thursday night, Friday Sphira, and you're Mechabal Shabbos. So if you hold that you were actually Mechabal Shabbos, that Shabbos actually began, it's too late. You missed it. It's already Shabbos. But if you hold that Shabbos didn't really begin, it's just that you're being no Ignis Malach, so it's not too late. You're still good. You could still you can still count Sphira. So what do you say? Okay, good. So it's Machlokas. Where does that leave us? Can the can uh, Ah, so Svek Sveka. So the whole reason the way the Mishabrura understands in uh, contrast to the way Rav Salvage understood the whole Indian, but the way the Mishabrura understands is that the whole reason that if you miss one night and count during the day the next day you can continue to count the following night with the bracha, svek sveka, suffolk, maybe even if you miss a night, you can count with the bracha anyway, because they're independent mitzvahs. And the suffolk, whether uh, counting during the day counts, whether that counts as the mitzvah. So svek sveka, you can be making. But what if you add this other element of suffolk? I don't even know if I counted during the day. Ah. So Ravadia writes, Ravadia writes in a tshuva, that he thinks that uh, that you definitely Ravadin Yabiomer Chelik Dalit or Chaim Sim Mem Gimel Oschas. He says he thinks definitely it's enough Sveikos you can keep on counting the bracha. Rav Meisha has very interesting or Chaim Chelik Dalit Sim Sadi Tes. He writes Os Gimel. He says it really depends if you just said Mizmor Shiliyam Shabbos or if you're ready Davin Mar. So if you just said Mizmor Shiliyam Shabbos, he, he's assuming that once you've already really declared it Shabbos, it's too late, it's already Shabbos. He makes that assumption. His whole cheshbon is, was it a Kabbalah Shabbos betos? 
where you're Mechabal Shabbos, but had you known that you still didn't count Sefirah, you never would have been Mechabal Shabbos. So you want to you want to take it back. You want to take back your Kabbalah Shabbos. So he says, if all you did was you said, Mishra Shaliyam Shabbos, so then it's a Kabbalah Shabbos Betalos. You can take it back. But once you have Marv already, so by saying it's Kabbalah Shabbos Betalos, you know what you're doing? You're saying that all those brachos in your Marv were brachal of Atala. You're going back and, and ruining it. No one wants to do that. For what? For a Mitzvah Drabanan? For a Safik Mitzvah Drabanan? You definitely don't want to do that. What? Because then you're taking back your Kabbalah Shabbos. He says, if you want to count Sefirah now, you're taking back your Kabbalah Shabbos. Yeah, the whole Shmon It's all going to be Levatala. That's a very interesting Cheshman. I saw Shmuel Kamenetsky in his Sefer, the Sefer that he didn't write, but one of his Talmidim wrote up, you know, Kovit Salachos, yeah, that he also said for sure you could say it without a bracha now and then continue to count with a bracha later on. I think that's uh, the normative sack. I think Ramesh is uh, quite a Chiddush on this Indian. Okay, everyone have a great Shabbos. Next week will be our last year of the of this man. The next year, you'll have to see me every day. Are you going to get it?